Blog Talk Radio. Radio. I'm your host and founder of Alzheimer's Speaks, Lori LeBay, um, and I'm based out of Minnesota, but I travel uh, around the world uh, to help shift our dementia care culture. My mother um, had dementia for 30 years, and so I know what it's like um, to kind of be <clears throat> in the trenches with this disease, and I just think that there's so much that we can offer if we work together, and that's why Alzheimer's Speaks was created. Um, we are actually an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our care culture from crisis to comfort around the world, and we firmly believe that by joining forces and sharing knowledge and having the everyday conversations like we're going to have today about life with dementia, that we're going to be able to remove the stigmas and the isolation that is attached to this disease and allow people to continue to live live their lives with purpose um, by having these just chats like we do here on Alzheimer Speaks Radio, uh, we can let people know the true needs of the disease and we can remove those myths and um, we can create safe space and supportive environments for people diagnosed, their family, their friends, their coworkers, and those that just want to make a difference. And we know at our core that working collaboratively the way we are is making a difference because we had the honor of being named the number one influencer online regarding Alzheimer's, according to ShareCare, the world's largest um, healthcare website, and Dr. Oz. And so I want to thank each of you who are listening right now for um, for helping in that because it's your likes, your clicks, um, you know, if you haven't liked us, you know, I would love you to like us. We're on uh, Facebook, we're on LinkedIn, um, we're, we're on Google. But every time you like us or share an episode or an, embed it and pass it on to your circle, your your friends, your tribe, whatever you want to call it, you are reaching out. You are making a huge, huge difference. So, again, I just want to thank you all for that because it's a it's a – easy way, it's cost effective, doesn't take much time to help create awareness and to help really shift a culture that so badly needs help out there. Um, Today's show, as as always, is going to be a a wonderful show. We've got um, two authors with us, Eric and Heather Anderson, who wrote the book Remember, I Can't Remember. And then we also are are going to have with us the um, CEO of the Alzheimer's Foundation of America on the second half of the show. So very excited uh, to have him with us as well. Uh, on the show and we love when our audience members participate and you can call into the show at 714 364 
4757. Again, that's 714-364-4757 and join the conversation. Or you can always uh, go ahead and utilize the chat box as well because I will be monitoring that. Um, So, you know, I don't know what your week is looking like with Thanksgiving, um, but it really truly is a time of gratitude. And I loved this quote by William Faulkner that says, Gratitude is a quality similar to electricity. It must be produced and discharged and used up in order to exist at all. So I, I just think, oh, wow, that's a really uh, quite, quite powerful um, thing to remember, um, you know, the importance of gratitude in our lives. And I, I'm hoping all of you just have a blessed and, and safe holiday week um, this week. Before I introduce our guests, I, I also just want to um Note that we're wrapping up here on National Alzheimer's Month and the National Caregivers Month, so there's been a lot of information out there. And last week was also the National Memory Screening. Um, I think that was on the 18th, and I'm hoping that we'll hear more uh, from Charles on that with uh, AFA um, because they are just such a a big, big component of uh, early memory screening. So um, some shout-outs I want to give, of course, is to the Purple Angel Project. Um, Norm McNamara and Jane are just making an incredible difference around the world um, with the new global symbol with the Purple Angel. And um, here in the U.S., Alzheimer's Speaks is kind of the launch pad for that. You can go to our site at alzheimerspeaks.com and just go to the About page and you'll see specifics on that on how you um, or your company can get involved with the Purple Angel. And again, this is something that costs no money um, but can have a huge impact. We'd like to see that symbol as well known as the um, pink ribbon for breast cancer. Uh, For those of you that are interested in finding uh, support or maybe an Alzheimer's association in your area, check out Alzheimer's Disease International. Not only will you be able to find that information, but you will also get a global uh, perspective and some of the global reports. There was one uh, just out on kind of prevention and had a great detail of, of information. Want to say hi to my friends at um, HealthStar uh, Home Health. They're just doing incredible work here in Minnesota. Um, they've done memory screenings. They're opening up memory cafes. They've gone through the Alzheimer's Whisper program, and I'm just so impressed uh, with what they are doing to to help shift our care culture when it comes to dementia. Uh, Many people are also looking for a more holistic approach. And for that, I recommend you go to Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation. There you'll find information and education on on diet and exercise and and meditation. Um, And then there are so many different types of dementia. And there, uh, you know, you really need to get to the the right source for what it is you're dealing with. So if you're dealing with Lewy body or frontal temporal lobe or maybe you've got some aphasia going on, make sure you check those associations out. Um, And then last, I always like to tie in kind of with an engagement piece, 
Um, you know, a lot of people like puzzles, and uh, but they want them to be age appropriate and a little bit bigger and easier to handle. Um, Puzzle with me has a, a great assortment of puzzles. Um, Jiminy Wicket is in um, an engagement program that can be used by families. It can be used in communities. It can also be used as an educational piece with students um, combined with memory loss. And it's a croquet game that's adaptable and can even be used by people um, in wheelchairs. So it's it's really a very, very fun um, and then last, of course, is the power of music. And, you know, Alzheimer's Music Connect is just a marvelous resource. Um, and they have um, a pending patent technology that helps people engage up to three hours longer after listening to their music, which is research-based. So check out Alzheimer's Music Connect. They have a beautiful, beautiful holiday um, CD out. And I'm just going to play uh, just a short piece from Winter Wonderland. Walking in a winter wonderland Gone away Is a bluebird Here to stay Is a new bird He sings a love song As we go along Well, I don't know about you, but in Minnesota we have snow. A lot of it melted, um, and then we got a little dusting again. But it's uh, it's here to stay, I think. Uh, nothing like Buffalo and our our prayers uh, go out to all the people in Buffalo and and what you are dealing with at this point. Let's go ahead and get started with our with our show. I'm excited today to have with us Eric and Heather Anderson. They are the authors of the book, and I love this title. Remember, I can't remember. Um, and they are out in uh, northeast Seattle. They have both gone down a variety of paths and passions throughout their lives, from owning and operating a coffee shop to garden and interior design to art. Um, so they've really kind of been all over the board. Um, Eric says he received his B.A. in communications from Seattle Pacific University, but he's never actually worked in the field. But their entire lives have evolved and um, uh, and um, revolved around communication. Both Eric and Heather just, they love to communicate. So through all their endeavors, um, caregiving has proven to really be one of the most amazing and fulfilling um, experiences they said that they've ever had. And it's opened their minds um, to the constant joys and the mysteries of life. What a beautiful way to, to phrase that, you know. And along with that, they've really found kind of this spiritual current that kind of runs beneath everything that we do. So I want to welcome Eric. How are you today? I'm well. I'm well. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, good. <laughs> On the radio, good. It's, uh, it's fantastic. Wonderful. <laughs> and Heather, are you with us also? I am. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. It's really wonderful. Well, very excited to have you both here. Before we get started with our questions, I always like our audience to kind of know your base, you know, in terms of were you personally touched by this disease, having a family or a friend um, maybe touched by the disease? And, Eric, I'll, I'll just toss that question to you first. 
yes, I uh, <clears throat> I had a early. Ex- I mean, you know, back of course long ago, it was senility, and you know, my my great grandmother had that a little bit, and then my grandmother had dementia, and uh, I wasn't. I kind of missed on that one because it was you know she was forgot us and and i fell through all the traps of well she doesn't remember me she wouldn't know anyway and all of those things and kind of pulled away and then with uh heather's grandmother years later uh when her parents were thinking of uh taking them taking her into their home we we had the the things that you say yeah but it'll take too much of your time and there's experts in the care facilities and and uh, then uh, before I knew it, uh, she was with us, and I was proven wrong on all those thoughts, and it really became the most rewarding experience and, and uh, really expansive. Uh, it was just uh, the whole thing was, was really, to me, it just uh, altered my perspective on, on so many things. Well, that's that's neat, um, Heather. How about you? Anything you want to add there? Well, I would just say that, um, as Eric was saying, when my parents first decided to move my grandma from Denver to their home, um, we, as a family, kind of all sat down and just said, you know, this is you're retired. This is your time. You can't do this. Uh, you know. Grandma doesn't remember you anyway, blah, 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 you know. So, yeah, reiterating that. Um, but, you know, they insisted on doing it, and they had her at their home. And she was actually, when she was living with them, she was much more mobile, and and um, she she could get around and she could feed herself and all those things. And um, But I started going out there once a week, to help my mom and dad, and I really was realizing at that time that um, grandma would be only combative with me if she felt that I was trying to take control, and so what I did is just kind of went into whatever day she was in, and I always just made everything her idea, or like if I wanted to give her a shower, I, I first I said, well, grandma, you know, I'm going to help you get a shower. And she would say, well, no, I think that I'm fine. So anyhow, long story short, I decided, well, maybe I will say, you know, look, look, you've laid out your clothes. You asked me to, you know, help you. Um, And because she didn't want to look like she forgot that she asked me to help her, she would eventually just say, oh, I guess I would have done that and I guess I would have said that and and so it started just becoming an easy process as long as um as long as I just made everything look like it was her choice and um and the same thing with you know she would oftentimes talk about my grandpa and I would just say oh you know he just ran to the store you know instead of telling her that he had passed away 20 years before Mm-hmm. Um, it just it just made her feel so much happier, and she as as far as she knew, he was still there. So um, I guess that's just kind of how it started. And then when Grandma uh, started going into the later stages of dementia, that became too much for my parents. They actually had her for 
over three years. And so then we made the decision to bring her to our home, and it was just, it was an amazing experience. Okay, wonderful. Well, that's, it's always interesting to hear people's stories, you know, of, of how things have have impacted their lives and and um I, I just find it totally fascinating. Um Eric, can you tell us um what is the significance of your title? Remember I can't remember. How did that come about? The uh I guess it first came about well there are a couple of things. Uh you know seeing people explain to uh grandma or, or people like her that well, you have short-term memory loss, and then going through the whole explanation, and by the time they finished, she had forgotten the original point. And also really amplified when she had a hospital stay, and the uh, the nurses and the doctors were, you know, they we, we gave them a list of how her needs, and and they missed all of them and didn't seem to get the point that, she couldn't remember what, like, okay, same medicine as yesterday, take these, or, you know, breathing treatments like yesterday. And so we really saw a need for, we need a card or something for these people, these dementia patients, so the doctors and people are aware that they can't remember. And with that, then, once once we realize that the onus is on us, the responsibility is on us. It really changes your paradigm of how you approach them. Then, it, then you you can approach them with, okay, I realize you don't remember. Now, how do I react with that? How do I how do I move forward and instead mm-hmm. of these arguing situations? That's kind of the the basic of it. And then it it you know, it seems so simple, but uh, I uh, it's really the first step in caregiving. I think is is getting that grasping that ourselves. I think that's very true. I think that's very, very true because we're we're so um inclined to just kind of live life by habit, you know, and what was right. and and just kinda of go on automatic pilot and I do this and this is the response I typically get instead of adjusting for change. People really are in such denial with that process. Heather, is there anything else you'd like to add about the the significance of that title? Remember, I can't remember. Um, let's see. Well, I, I think it's just yeah. What he said is is for all of us. It it seems like it's such a simple little thing, but so often um, we if they can't remember because we can't. We actually can't remember that they can't remember. We we um, get upset with them if they forget something or, you know, I mean, and we talk about in the book that, you know, if we forget our keys or we can't find something, how it's just so maddening and we go crazy. But mm-hmm. really they can't remember their life. You know, they can't remember so much. and it's And they're not trying to manipulate us. They're not trying to, you know, play any games. It's just as simple as the fact they can't remember. <laughs> and, well, and, um, and that's a really good point because there are so many times I hear from people, well, you know, I she kind of manipulates things, you know, and it's like the, they right. can't process that. I'm going to pull um, 
I believe Harry Urban's on the phone, and Harry is living with dementia, and I'd love to know his his thought on, you know, people letting go. Harry, are you with us? I sure am. How are you today? Good, good, good. I thank you so much for uh, for participating in the show. I value your comments so deeply. Um, what do you think about you know people forgetting? that you can't remember, you know, things all the time. Do you, do you run into that? I would imagine that you do. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's it's so easy to say but so hard to explain that mm-hmm. uh, so many things that I remember I used to do things, but I can't remember how to do them. And mm-hmm. to me that makes that makes a lot of sense, but, but it's so hard to explain to somebody that, that uh, I can't do that anymore. And so many people think that's a cop-out. Maybe he just doesn't want to do it. But that's mm-hmm. not the case. It's, uh, you know, simple things like tying shoes, button up a shirt. Some some day that, that's a big challenge to us. Mm-hmm. And I, I, guess, um. I guess that's what so I find so fascinating is that there's so much depth to it. Like you're saying, Harry, that it isn't so – I mean – it's not so simple. It's a very complex situation that you're in. Yeah. Well, well I the, think... The, oh, go ahead, Heather. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think that's what, you know, people have such a hard time grasping is that, well, you you know, say, well, you remember to put your shirt on. Why can't you remember to button it? Or why can't you, you know, and it's, it's, it is, it's, so there's so many layers, and it's not. Um, and I think that's what why people tend to get combative when they're when they have dementia, Alzheimer's, is because um, we we're the ones our energy. Even if it's even if we um, don't say the words, they can they pick up on our anxiety that they aren't understanding how to just do basic things and. And it is. I, I think that people exactly that it's, they feel like, oh, it's a cop out. Oh, he just doesn't want to do that. And I, that's just not true. Yeah, Harry, how does that make you feel when when people think that you can and you you honestly are just kind of screwing with them? You know, because I think sometimes, well, especially family members, that's what they think. You have to you have to remember that. Um, you were taking something away from us. Living this disease, um, we, we don't we don't feel like we're the man, we're the woman that we used to be. And every time you do something like that, you're kind of reinforcing the idea that that I can't do those things anymore. And mm-hmm. it's uh, I don't want to say it's demeaning to me, but it uh, it it hurts. It it hurts because there's nothing I can do. You know, you can you can holler, you can scream, and you can yell at me because I should remember. Uh, I've done mm-hmm. that all my life, and I hear you, but I just can't. Yeah, well, and it's, well, it's, it's interesting to me the time sure, that we spend um, talking about what can't be done instead of what still can be done, or how we can do things differently to accomplish the same task. You mm-hmm. know, um, mm-hmm. and and it's like. You know, if we put our energies there, everyone will be much happier and feel yes. much more connected and and purposeful. 
And, um, you know, I, I think so many times families forget about how their actions, if they're spoken or nonverbal, um, how how the person who's diagnosed, how that makes them feel. Because we're so busy trying to get something done, get something accomplished, because we're, we're so driven, you know, mm-hmm. by tasks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've really lost the, the mainstay, which is our relationships and and you know the importance of those and what they what relationships give us in our life um which is so much meaning and so much purpose and yet can be so simple and 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 we overlook it and i just find that so sad and um, i i think being willing to change the the relationship changes and i guess sticking with it through that change where where you have to then begin to relate on a different level and i guess moving into that is is really the challenge yeah and again there i i i um it, it kind of makes me chuckle because every relationship changes and right. why do we right. think because when somebody gets ill or gets some kind of diagnosis that now that now everything's supposed to stay stagnant when our relationships exactly. are constantly changing so it's like we have this falsehood about um, who we were, how we engaged with others prior to illness, and then we just want to freeze frame everything um, so that we know the rules. And there are no rules with dementia, you know, because it's yeah. different with everybody right. every day. And right. um, and again, once once somebody can get to that um, acceptance, it really is a gift on a lot of levels um, to be that free. Um, you know, it allows you more creativity and so forth there too. Let's get on to I've got I've got lots of questions for you, so I'd like to move on to a to another one. Um, and this one I'm going to throw to Heather first, if that's okay. Um, is it helpful to think of dementia as dementia, meaning a problem with um, dimensions? What What are your thoughts on that, Heather? Well, we're firm believers in that because I I feel like um, that's that's why you know our whole relationship with my grandma was uh, very easy for us in so many ways is because uh, we really in in her later stages of dementia that that when we had her living with us she really it was like she was in a different dimension and. Um, just because we couldn't see what who she was interacting with didn't make it any less real than our what our reality is to us i mean she would she could be sitting um one time eric actually she was sitting in the living room she's sitting on a chair and, and she had an ottoman in front of her and she's kind of like looking like she's kind of shuffling cards or something and eric walked in and and this is early on when we first got her, and, and he said, hey, Helen or Grandma, I have some dinner for you. And she looked up at him, and she said, um, we're playing cards here. And <laughs> Eric said, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. And so she looked around at her friends, and she said, he won't bother us again. And it was so cute because, you know, the fact is that, she saw all these people around her and and it is not for us to go into her space and say you know i'm going to i'm going to make you have dinner i'm going to make you 
go to the bathroom with us or or um and I think something else, you know, we realized is sometimes she could be a 90-year-old woman and other times she's a little girl who's asking for her daddy. And, you know, two minutes later she's middle-aged with children of her own. And you really have to be aware of where they are at that point. And a lot of times, you know, I'll see people will, you know, grab their parent or whoever and say, you know, I'm going to take you to the bathroom now and, and as a as a Alzheimer's experiencer, they maybe they're thirty years old and they have a sixty year old person that's calling a mom saying they're gonna take them to the bathroom. You know, of course they're gonna become combative in that mm-hmm. situation because well, number one, I don't have a sixty year old son, and you know, I just got my kids off to school, you know, and mm-hmm. so I think. Um, by going into whatever reality she was in, it it just made it it made it very magical for us because it mm-hmm. was really fun to watch. And um, you know, I don't I have I we have such a limited understanding of what really is going on in with them. You know, we it's not for us to say <laughs> if she doesn't have all her friends around, you know. And so we just tried to really be in whatever space she was in sure and that that makes that makes perfect sense um eric anything you want to add to that uh just reiterating the same it's just gently i mean the whole process is always trying to gently bridge the gap between where they are and where you are and trying to do your best to move in the same direction uh Mm -hmm. is really what what it's all about yeah Mm -hmm. Now I know on on page eighteen or or nineteen you talk about telling them the truth um may actually be cruel and that they hold feelings, not memory. Why don't you explain that and then i wanna uh, then I'll pull Harry back in again too for his thoughts on okay. this and... uh, in, in my opinion, I mean you know number one, it's just our our gut reaction we we believe we deal in truth, and so it's like you're saying we we can't quite adjust to the change. So we've always dealt in truth, so we're going to continue to deal in truth. But if it's actually, you know, kind of going from what we were saying before, if it's not truth in their minds, it's hard for us to push it as being universal. You know, it, it uh, when it's not necessary, it's really kind of in for our satisfaction. I, I, just our neighbor was just saying, I need to get one of your books. Of the person I'm working with, she she talks on the phone and they're, to her mom, and the whole conversation is her telling her mom that no, those things are not true. No, that's and and then it becomes pointless. It turns into an argument, and and so if we can begin to just like you said, put our energy. It's all where we choose to put our energy. If we can begin to put it into a more positive frame it more in a positive way uh mm-hmm. it's just much more constructive so that that's really where where that comes from okay um heather anything that you want to add to that well i i would like to know what harry has to say about that because i think our whole idea with that is is you know every time that you correct them and tell them what your truth is you're making them you're saying, well, you're crazy, you know, you you don't know, this is what it really is, you know, and, 
And like I was saying before with my grandpa, you know, he had passed away 20 years before, but grandma would still talk to him. She would still ask about him. And so it was, it was so much gentler for her to think that he just ran to the store than to say, you know, he died 20 years ago. I mean, because I, I really feel that they hold on to the emotion. I believe their body really holds the emotion. They don't, they don't remember what they're sad about. But it's, it's almost mm-hmm. like when we wake up from a nightmare and we don't really remember what the nightmare was, but we know that it really made us afraid or or uneasy, and I think that's what they hold on to. Uh huh. Harry, are you there? I think oh, yes. that's. I think. Yeah. I think that's your. Chair. Is that a chair squeaking in the background there, or <laughs> it sounds like something it's squeaking or or shuffling my, a little bit. It's my. It's, it's my bones. I'm getting old. Sorry. It's your bones. <laughs> you have to me. Uh, you, you have to realize, you know, the saying goes, if it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's a duck. But to me, that's not true anymore. Okay? Now, whatever I believe in, nobody's going to change my mind. Uh, you could, I could be looking at a duck, and if I see a rabbit, it's a rabbit. No matter what you say to me, I'm not going to change my mind because I see it as a rabbit. And mm-hmm. uh, that's that, that, that's where the caregivers go. Um, uh, they run into a problem when they try to change my mind. Uh, mm-hmm. They're not going to do it. It, 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 it. It's a proven fact that when I have something in my mind, you know, you always say don't argue with somebody with dementia because you're going to lose and that's true. You're not going to win an argument. Um, mm-hmm. So um, you just have to you have to say, okay, that that rabbit's quacking, and, and mm-hmm. walk with it. You know, don't <laughs> don't worry about it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, that's, that's great insight, you... Harry. I really appreciate that insight. That's that's really. I guess what we tend to think is our truths still hold, and your truths have no bearing. And that that's really interesting to get but, your perspective yeah, where you still true. feel the same about truth. That that's great. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, because well, everybody what, what, has, think, you know, we all have our own truth in general, and and so to, to put that on someone and say just because they have dementia doesn't mean that what they are. If he sees a rabbit, that's exactly what he sees. It's not for us to tell him he doesn't see a rabbit. Mhm. Yep. You know. Well, yeah, very, I mean, it is important to meet people where they are at. And in the book you mentioned, you know, they might be young, they might be old, they might be in their 30s, you know, with a young family. And and wherever they are is going to change their perception and it's going to change their reactions um, to different things around them as well. And so it's important for care partners to to really put on that detective hat and um, and, and work, work with the situation and not against it. And so many times exactly. we we work against the situation, which is just so 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 sad. Um and and people don't understand because again we're so tied into the the telling of the truth and, and the right mm-hmm. or the wrong. And you know, ninety nine point nine percent of the time we spend here is in the gray area, and we think it should be black or white. You know? Exactly. And, right. I know. Right. Yeah. 
Um, Eric, will you talk about the line, let go of your name, you're, you know, you're so much more? Yeah, I uh, I think that early on, and we we found that to be a, a point of crisis, like when I, when I speak to families that are just going through this, and it really, at that moment of, okay, they no longer know my name, it, it's often that's often where people check out that that's kind of the, okay, you know, she's not my mother anymore, or she's not my, and, but, you know, we write about that as we say, you know, are we really that tied to our name? Because when they forget it, uh, our self is threatened and their self is gone. And we, we kind of accept that as then how things are. But to me, that shows an inability to move, into the new to to see a, have a deeper understanding of who we are in our relationship with our loved ones and being able to I say there I believe uh, move more into a soul connection as opposed to the previous roles we had and be willing to expand our role and uh, and then also recognize that if this is happening then they really need you more than ever. Uh, they need you to be their advocate. They need you to uh, cover the gaps that they can no longer uh, fill. So that, that's where that came about, and I, uh, I, I think it's always a process. I mean, it's always throughout the whole journey, it's our reinventing ourselves and, and kind of being open to the change and embracing this new role that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, Heather, anything you want to add to that? Um, I would just say that so much of it, I think so much of our name is tied to kind of our ego and, you know, how how we want. And, you know, what we were talking about before is just how we just don't want anything to change. And it's kind of whether it's a parent or a grandparent or um young, a friend, you know, you don't you don't want your role to change. And. Um, when it, in dementia, we we, live that we don't have that opportunity. We we have instead we have an opportunity to say it's your parent. You know, you can give your parent the unconditional love that you always want from your parent. You know, this is mm-hmm. this is just something. You know, you you have you both have the opportunity to. Uh, like we say in the book, just love without restraint, and because there's really no, if you let go of your your old ideas, you can kind of start fresh. And like mm-hmm. we, I had this one gal call me, and and she was really having a hard time with her mom because uh, her mom kept saying, you know, oh, I just wish, you know, you had gone to college, and I wish you had done this and this and. And the daughter said, but mom, I am the one that went to college. I am the one that, no, that was your sister, blah, blah, blah. And she just had such a hard time. And I said, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't, that doesn't matter anymore. It, you, you need to really just get past that. It doesn't, you know, that's just be whoever your mom feels that you are. It doesn't, you know, it, it's, but it is, it's really hard and it's, it's kind of all of us letting go of our ego. Yeah, very, very much so. Um, Harry, did you want to add anything? Uh, yeah, as as uh, as we grow up, 
and we have a family. I don't think there's a family around that hasn't called one of their children by a different name. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it happens all the time, and, and we don't yeah. think anything by it. Now, now, does that mean that the uh, that the parent doesn't love that child because they 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 call them a different name? No, wow. it doesn't mean that or not, you know. And, and it's the same thing now as we get older and, and we have, we, we get Alzheimer's, any kind of dementia, and and I forget your name. It, it's a name. I haven't forgotten you. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. the difference. Yeah. Well, that's so insightful. That's a good example, too, Harry, because I, 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 when you were talking about you know, parents not remembering kids' names. And, I, you know, I think of even when my parents got mad, you know, they'd go down the list of who they were yelling at, you know, and which which <laughs> child was it, you know. And, yeah. and I think every every parent has done that, you know. And I know I've done it. It's mm-hmm. and, and I only have one, but I still come up with other names, you know. Right. <laughs> oh, sure. Uh-huh. You know, Heather's, it's just, Heather's three H's, and they, they are Holly, Heather, Holly, and they Heidi, and it's uh, it's always confusing. We always land. My parents always land on the wrong name, and and but yeah, that'd be pretty bad if if you, we were constantly offended by being called the wrong name growing up. Well, <laughs> yeah, and and we are. We're so much more than a name, you know. And we, you know, the the thing I always tell people too is, you know, we don't badger a, a small child. On, mm-hmm. you know, remember yeah. my name. Remember my name. And but we we badger adults, um, yeah. and it, you know, and it's so sad and it's so demeaning, and it makes everybody feel bad. Um, people used to say, "Well, does your mom still know you? And right. um, does she know your name?" And and I said, "You know, I don't ask that question anymore. I have a fifty fifty right. chance she'll get it right. And and if she gets it wrong, yeah. it's going to affect her day and mine. Why would I go there? Why?" Why set ourselves up for failure? We have to focus on the positive, the gifts that we have before us, and and there's so many of them. You know, um, it's it's just absolutely amazing that we we aren't um, we aren't a society, a society that is more appreciative. This is a quote um, that that I think is from Buddha. Um, that I think just kind of pins pins the head um, on the nail here. It says, let us rise up and be thankful, for if we didn't learn a lot today, at least we learned a little. And if we didn't learn a little, at least we didn't get sick. And if we didn't get sick, at least we didn't die. So let's all just be thankful. You know, um, there's, there's, you know it, there's so many depths in terms of what we can be thankful for and, and you know, I say this over and over, I'm a I'm a big component of simplicity and the biggest gift this disease has given me is simplicity, letting go of control and and really valuing the true meaning of relationships and all mm-hmm. their all their glory, um, on so many different levels. And you know, in this fast-paced world, we've we've forgotten the importance of one another, which is you know you look at it and think, how could that even happen? But it really it it really has occurred, and it, it has. It's, it's just so sad, just so so sad. Well, and that's what I that's what we got from this is the the stripping away of the of the unneeded, and it, you really get down to the most human 
parts of ourselves, and it's relating on that level, and that that's really that's the gift of it, the beauty of it. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I know that you guys say in your book is be grateful for the opportunity to start again and again and again, you know, because you you have a chance to recreate what maybe you screwed up last time or, or wasn't mm-hmm. quite the way you wanted it to be. And, you know, no one's going to care. They're just going to appreciate the next moment. So, you know, if we can live in those moments instead of, um, focusing on our failures or somebody else's failure. Um, life is just so much more brilliant that way. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about letting go of of the past kind of slights and stuff. And, Eric, I'll let you go ahead and, and talk about that. Yeah, I really, uh, you know, I, <clears throat> who knows what time is for what, you know, what's the point of <laughs> it's all contemplating, but, I think one of the gifts of this is the time of, and the challenges is being with your loved one, uh, but being in a new phase where the slights are now irrelevant. The you know the maybe the things that you battled with before on a, a clash of egos are now in the past, and I think to do. To be a successful caregiver or to, you know, successfully support your loved mm-hmm. one, it's really necessary that you leave those things behind. And a lot of, that's, again, one of those things that sounds so simple but is really very complex and is really a life's work. I mean, it, it's really a, a lot to that and with varying degrees uh, depending on family situations. But it's uh it's such a worthwhile goal and uh but always um takes a lot of work and it, it takes a lot of uh resolve to actually move into the positive supporting role and and let go of the things that maybe you've held on to for for much of your uh lives together that's mm-hmm. uh, i think that's our growth and our healing that's where the other paradigm shift that we talk about, you know, is, is you know, our book, Reapproaching, Shifting Your Paradigm on Dementia Alzheimer's. That's a two-point thing. One is the remembering they can't remember and realizing that it's our issue to remember. And the other is remembering that or recognizing that this journey is as much about us as it is about them. You know, as a caregiver, we we tend to think that, okay, we take care of their needs. It's all about them, and I, I'm just here doing these tasks but really it's our growth and it's it can be transforming to us and it, it's as key to our development as our support of them is to theirs so that that's what mm-hmm. that comes from very true heather anything you want to add on that about the letting go um i have to think about this just for a minute i think you know it's just so often you'll we hear that, um, you know, oh, my mom was this way or that way, and I just, you know, I just don't feel that um, almost sometimes people have this idea that, that um, well, like Harry said, too, is, you know, don't don't argue with people. And it's like it's not a time for you to um, try and figure out 
why your parents were a certain way or why your friend treated you this way or this or that if they're in a dementia space. Just, you know, trying to just, again, meet them exactly where they are and forget about all of that. And, it again, it's just letting go of your ego and trying to just mm-hmm. let go of the past, um, what you felt was the past slight, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I No, I think that that just makes um, so much sense. Harry, what are your thoughts about letting go? Because, uh, you know, um, we talk about the caregiver has to let go, but, but how... How does the person with dementia let go, or or don't they? Okay, remember, I can't remember how to carve a turkey anymore. <laughs> I've been married for 48, going on 49 years, and I've carved a lot of turkeys in my life. And um, Thanksgiving is always a time to be set up for failure. Uh, mm-hmm. My wife spends... My wife spends hours and hours baking a a turkey, and it comes out of the oven, and it is downright beautiful. Now, you're going to take a sharp knife, put it in my hand, and say, Harry, you're the monarch of the family. Uh, It's tradition that you always carve the turkey. Have at it. Well, I can tell you, (laughs) if if I start slicing and dicing, that, that turkey's going to be ugly. And it, it it's going to kind of ruin the whole dinner. So you have to be smart that there's, there is some traditions you have to let go. And you have to remember that I can't do that anymore. So don't put me in a, in a position where, uh, now, if you put a knife in my hand, I'm going to slice away uh, because mm-hmm. it's expected of me. But mm-hmm. um, I can't do that anymore. Good points. Good points. Um, and how do you how do you feel when somebody asks you to do something that you know you can't do, but you're kind of put on the spot? I, I would imagine that that's got to just raise anxiety levels for you to beat the band. It it proves to me once more that I'm not the person I used to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, we 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 try to get by that. And uh, and get to from it, but every day, every day of our life, somebody or something reminds us that we can't do that anymore, and it gets so frustrating for us because we know we're not the person we used to be. You know, mm-hmm. don't remind us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so true. Very very good 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 advice. And I, again, I think it's so many times we think it's. Um, just the caregiver that's going through this loss, and you know it's so much bigger than that. It's 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 everybody at multiple levels. It's kids and grandkids and and friends and coworkers and you know um, it, this is not a disease of one. One person might get diagnosed, but they are yeah. not in it alone. And so we really have to I, look look at things differently. Go ahead, Eric. I have a thought. For a question, kind of a question for Harry. We mentioned in the book about um, caregiving, uh, you know, kind of the, the caregiver approach. Much of it is the focus on what they do. They're doing this, their their struggle. But 
also we talk about how difficult it is to receive care and how, you know, we might think, well, I do all these things for him. He has an easy role. But I bet it's a real struggle at times for you to receive care when you've been independent, you were the monarch, you know, the patriarch of the family, and and then having to receive care and be in a position where you know you need to accept help. And is that has that been challenging? Oh yeah, uh, it, it's a it's, it's a proven point to me that that at times my my care partner cares too much for me. Okay, they um, they're, they're paralyzing me. They're they're, they're they're giving me a handicap. They're giving me the easy mm-hmm. way out. Don't mm-hmm. tie my shoes if I'm capable of doing it. Don't cut my meat if I'm capable of doing it. Let me struggle. Now you know everybody everybody. Uh, looks at us and say, oh, I don't want him to struggle because he has Alzheimer's. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know what? If you don't let me struggle, if you don't let me climb that mountain, that's how I look at it. If you don't let me do that, then I'm not going to do it. And all of a sudden you handicap me Mm -hmm. just by by caring too much. So there's there's, there's a fine line. There's a fine line there. Mm -hmm. Wow. Good. That's Good point, Harry. Very insightful. That's that's great to hear that. Harry's always loaded with great information. Jeez, I would say no. <laughs> yeah, let's talk a little bit about um, the the real stress, um, you know, and 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 that affects people, and how hydration, um, you know, can have um, can have an effect and, and cleanliness. You talk about that in your book as well. Uh, I, in our experience, uh, dehydration has been such a, it's such a, well, usually it starts to show up the, before even the dementia. And, you know, people often they'll get dehydrated. That'll be the first kind of alarm. And then they go into the, you know, have to go to the hospital. And then often in our experience, dementia has kind of accelerated after that. And Mm -hmm. it's, something that we you know you have to be it seems so simple again well do we have to really be that concerned about it but liquid intake for the elderly with their medications that may be diuretics and all of those it's so important to really try to monitor that always get them enough fluids and it can mask itself as so many things as maybe accelerated dementia where actually they're dehydrated or, or aches and pains and Bladder all sorts infection. of things that, yeah, then then so often turning into a bladder infection. And I guess our, our point on that is that even though it is really hard to always be saying, here, you have to drink your water, you got to, we got to get this pudding down you, or, or, you know, you have to try to have some pudding. It's so much easier than the pain of a midnight call to the hospital and, and the, the struggle of that. Uh, that's, that's well, and, and it causes, yeah, and it causes them so much. I mean, they could just be in so much pain just from dehydration. And I think, you know, something else that we had noticed while we had grandma is that, um, you know, I would hear of different people or or even grandma. You know, she would she wouldn't be eating as much, and that's a big that can tend to be a big sign of dehydration because they don't have the 
saliva just to get their food down. I mean, just some basic things like that. But instead, a lot of times you would hear, oh, you know, they're in that stage of dementia where they're, they're no longer want to eat. They don't want to, they, you know, they're, they're giving up. And it's actually, oftentimes it's not that they're giving up, it's that they just, they're sick because of dehydration or, you know, and their levels get all messed up because of it. And, um, and another thing, you know, we talk about is, uh, you know, we, grandma, we, she was bathed every other day and, and, and we would hear, you know, maybe you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't maybe bathe elderly quite as often because their skin gets drier, this or that. And, and I think number one, if they're completely hydrated and, um, you know, we would put lotion on her and, and, but keep her so clean and, and, it makes them so much more approachable. And it also keeps, I, I believe that it makes them feel, keep their dignity. You know, people want to come and give them a hug. And um, when they look beautiful, I, Grandma always knew when she looked nice and her nails were done and, and her hair was done. And, you know, she was a very fastidious person when uh, before she had dementia. And I think just trying to, Keep up with who they were in that sense, I think, is very important because I, even if they don't see themselves in the mirror, I think they know when they, they, they look good and they're clean and it's just, a, it's just more of a feel that they have. And, of, of course, the, well, I'm sorry, I'm just saying that, of course, this is all underlined with doing it gently, you know, not like, force shower or force bath. I mean, it's all a part of facilitating, you know, a, their life. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and those are kind of the goals, but it isn't, uh, I mean, yeah, doing it, all of these things, but doing it gently is, is the challenge. Right. Okay. Wonderful. The the one thing that I would, I would, um, I have people keep in mind is that there's, and this is my personal belief, and this is what I went through with my mom, is um, there's a big difference between what we're comfortable with and what they're comfortable with as the disease progresses. And we have to be very conscious of that. Because like with my mom, um, we stopped brushing her teeth because it, it caused her pain and fear and wrecked her day for half a day. And we had gone right. from the, t- the toothbrush right. to the swabs to the washes, and there were people who were disgusted with that. But it really gets down mm-hmm. to quality of life. And, you know, mm-hmm. as my mom progressed through this disease over 30 years, um, you know, her ego left the building, and, and certain things weren't important to her anymore. And she was she was so much, and my mom was always a very social person, but, you know, when it was important for her hair and her nails and everything to look perfect, um, it did, and when it it wasn't um, something that she was conscious of, um, we still did it. But when it started causing her fear and pain, we stopped. Oh, no. and we actually had yeah. to argue with professionals on that piece because, well, it doesn't look good. Well, to who? Then we right. need to educate right. yeah. people why oh, gosh. Yeah. why we're doing this. And um, to me, that's a, a, a very critical piece that is so often overlooked and easily explained again if we just take the time to have a conversation and mm-hmm. that's one well, of the things I you know I, I, a, mm-hmm. oh i was just going to say is that that's exactly what we've mentioned in the book is just that that 
you know your person, your parent or grandparent, or, you know, you know them more than the doctors, the facilities, anyone. And Mm -hmm. that's what we try and, you know, get across to people is that, you know, your decisions are you being their advocate for whatever reason, you know, for it it hurts her, it's causing her pain. I mean, it's it's kind of like um, something that I couldn't stand is when I would take grandma to the doctor just for her, you know, yearly, and um, they would go over and ask her all those questions. And I so badly, you know, I just was like, do we really have to go through this? Because she knows she has, I mean, we, we know she can't remember any of these things, but but really trying to, emphasize that no please don't ask her these questions anymore it's kind of the same thing as don't brush her teeth anymore because it's it causes her too much anxiety you know and and that's and just trying to help people understand that you know most often you are the one that knows what what is best for your person more than the doctors do yep I, I agree. Um, Eric I can't, and Heather, I thank you so much for being with us today. I can't believe this hour has blown by. Can you tell us um, that, you know, how do people get a hold of you? And, uh, you know, uh, what's, the, what's the best way? Uh, RememberICan'tRemember.com is our, is our website. And mm-hmm. uh, that, that's probably, and then from there you could go to our blog uh, which is also remember I can't remember. Um, and our book is and available. Facebook and yeah, Facebook also. Uh, we have a Facebook page. Remember I can't remember. And uh, you know we give talks and try to get out and around. And our books available online. And uh, we'd love to love to communicate with anyone. Uh, I just love to talk about it. And it's really such a just again, our, our goal is if we could just, if everyone could learn a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. It's great to have experts, but if we could increase the knowledge bank of just society, then mm-hmm. it's so much easier for the for the person who's caring for their mother at home. If if the neighbor can come for twenty minutes, you know, if everyone just has a little bit of an understanding, mm-hmm. uh, it makes it possible. Where okay. if you don't have that little half hour 20 minute break where you can run to the store or something it really becomes uh extremely difficult so we're just trying to spread a a basic knowledge as far as we can okay well wonderful well i you know i wish you guys just a wonderful wonderful holiday season and i thank you so much for for sharing uh your time and your book with us remember i can't remember by eric and, and heather anderson so um Check it out. It's it's a it's a it's a quick read. It's I got it's just a nice little reference, and it I think it'll help shift your mindset in terms of how to deal with this disease and and how to you know how to live well with it. 
Um, so thank you so much for your time. And, Harry, I hope that you can stay with us and um, continue the conversation on. I'm going to do some mid-program highlights here really quick, and then I'll introduce our our second guest, uh, who is from the Alzheimer's, the CEO of the Alzheimer's Foundation of America. Um, for mid-program highlights, you know, our last show, radio show, if you haven't listened to it, was on living safely with dementia. And um, it was a great conversation that we had um, from, uh, and it, we focused kind of on wandering, and there's some wonderful resources there. We also had uh, the founder of Smart Stones, which is an interesting nonverbal tool for communication um, that they're um, getting ready to put on the market. Um, next week, I'm still up in the air on what I'm doing with the show. I think it, it, we may go open mic, but I'm going to be um, in California with about 20 experts from around the world who are gathering um, to on a really cool new project, and I'm honored to be with them. And I'm I'm hoping to actually possibly interview with some of these guys, but our schedules are really tight, so I'm not quite sure how all of that is going to going to work at this point. So. Um, I will. Uh, I'll keep you all posted. Uh, if if uh, you know, one way or the other, we'll we'll do a show next week. But I, I'm just not quite sure what. Also, wanted to remind you that we have dementia chats this afternoon, and that um, that starts at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 Central, 1 o'clock Mountain, and noon Pacific Time. And those are free. And that's where you can ask our experts who have dementia um, your questions and I think today we'll probably end up talking about the holidays here he had mentioned today on the show you know just about um, the whole fact of you know dealing with the holidays and roles that once were carving the turkey might not be a good idea anymore Um, we've got a couple you know, we we post all of our, our past episodes, but if you go to the homepage of Alzheimer's Speaks, you'll find we had a really hot topic um, on Robin Williams' uh, suicide and the release of um, him being diagnosed with Lewy body. And people were talking about, you know, would they want the option to take their life? Should that be legal or not? And we had pros and cons on both sides. Um, but, again, it was a, an honest conversation with people on how to move forward. Another one before that was just uh, really a powerful and heartfelt conversation on advocacy, politics, and policy, and very, very moving. On the blog, you'll find a couple of articles. Uh, One is on holistic exercise and and benefits uh, for both uh, people diagnosed and their care partners, and then there's some information about a new e-learning program to provide support for um, patients and, and caregivers and, and how they're impacted by Alzheimer's. And then it was exciting this month. Um, the Purple Angel is a year old for all the um, all the Purple Angel ambassadors. We had our we had our birthday, so that was kind of that was kind of a fun moment um, mid month here. And um, again, I think it's it's critical that we look at. Um, truly being grateful, you know, with the holidays uh, approaching, there can be a lot of stress. And I'm just going to read another quote here. Um, This one is from Charles Dickens, and it says, Reflect upon your present blessings, of which every man has plenty, not on your past misfortunes, 
of which all men have some. And, you know, when we when we live in the past and you know, we beat ourselves up for, you know, not doing things quite the way we thought they should be, um, we just miss such, such beautiful opportunities. And, you know, I, I just don't think we have the time to waste. Um, you know, I think that it's so important for us to, to stay connected um, with one another. Um, just a, a critical, critical piece there. So, um I will go ahead and and uh I'm going to go ahead and introduce our next guest here. I believe he's he's in uh in the waiting room here. And if not, uh we'll pull in some other conversation. Um the second half of the show, we are just really honored to have the um CEO and president of the Alzheimer's Foundation of America with us. And if you're not familiar with their organization, you definitely have to check it out. And I'm hoping that I'm not going to crucify Charles uh, Charles's name, but he'll let me know if I do. I believe it's pronounced Charles uh, Fraschillo. And, you know, AFF, again, which is Alzheimer's Foundation of America, is a leading national nonprofit organization dedicated to optimal care to people with Alzheimer's disease and related dementia and their caregiver uh, as well as their caregivers and their families. And to me, you know, that really differentiates them. Um, They're kind of this whole package deal in terms of care, which I think is so important um, because we all have to get on the same playing field. Um, Prior to uh, Charles being appointed as AFF CEO in January of this year, he served as the New York State uh, as a New New York State Senator from the Eighth District on Long Island for 16 years, um, which again I think is is uh, fabulous and exciting in in and of itself. Um, during his tenure in Senate. He authored more than 200 state laws, including some of the country's toughest laws related to drunk driving. So I want to thank him for that one, as well as the state's landmark Do Not Call Registry, which, boy, we all appreciate there, too. Also, insurance protections for people with autism and New York's uh, State Clean Air Act, you know, and the list just goes on here. He most recently chaired the Senate's Transportation Committee and was a member of numerous committees, including health, um, which has to be close and dear to his heart, uh, given the position that he is leading now. And before his long political career, He was a resident of America, New York, and served as the chief operating officer of a nonprofit family service agency serving Long Island and New York um, residents. So I want to go ahead and welcome Charles to the show. How are you doing, Charles? I'm doing terrific. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, we are just thrilled to have you here. I am. you guys are doing just fabulous work, and I, I've said this on the radio several times, but I have to say it while I have you on. Um, I was part of, uh, and just a minuscule part of, a group here in Minnesota. The organization is called uh, Health uh, Health Star Home Health, who did uh, one of your memory screenings at our state fair, and um, we cannot thank you enough because it touched 
so many people. They did over 2,200 memory screenings. They talked to over 14,000 people. Um, And that's not just handing them a brochure. That was having intimate conversations about real-life experiences with dementia. And it was was received so well. Um, They've been asked to come back again. And uh, and do the memory screenings next year at our state fair, and that's the first time they've ever been done at our state fair. So um, yeah, we're, we're, we were very excited about that, and uh, we've already um, spoke to everybody there that um, participated in that, and we're excited that uh, there's a full commitment for next year's um, uh, fair as well, and uh, hopefully those numbers will grow because, as you know. Memory screening is so critically important. It's a healthy brain checkup, and as you know, AFA, we recently held our National Memory Screening Day, which we were very proud that thousands and thousands of individuals throughout the country were screened, and we're just trying to create a greater awareness of the the importance of early screening. Yeah, and it, it's critical. I know you know there are some out there that'll say, well, it's, you know, people think it's a diagnosis, and and I can tell you, I was out there for a day with them. People were right. so thankful. They were so thankful. Right. And, you know, it wasn't approached as a diagnosis. It was like, let's just go through this. And then there were resources to help point people in the right direction if they needed them. Um, it, it allowed people just to tell their stories. We had people walk up to the booth and say, no, I don't need that anymore. And then they would overhear a conversation and then they'd, they'd come back. They'd come back and share their stories. And it was just, it was it was a brilliant brilliant day that I I had there. Um, so happy. It, I'm so happy to hear that because, you know, as you know, all memory problems or issues or loss are not just detected or could be caused by uh, early onset Alzheimer's disease. It could be from a thyroid issue. It could be from a lack of or a vitamin deficiency or somebody living with depression. And that could be treatable. And, and for somebody to get just a, a, a memory screening, um, is a significant step in their life. Yep, it, it really, really is. So, and um, I, I know that there were tons of memory screenings going all over the country. I think I think it was last week, wasn't it? The it was, no, it was our National Memory Screening Day, which mm-hmm. is uh, November, which was November eighteenth, and that's really a signature event of the Alzheimer's Foundation of America. We're very proud of that. But uh, we're, we're doing screenings uh, every day now throughout the country. We're all year long. National Memory Screening Day just creates a greater or, or heightens the awareness of mm-hmm. the significance, uh, Lori, of screening. But it also heightens the awareness of just talking about Alzheimer's and just talking about the disease and trying to do away with the stigma that has been attached to it for far too long. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the reasons I, I absolutely love my job because it's just about creating awareness and trying to connect people to resources and know that there's more than one way out there um, to deal with things and, and helping them build their toolbox and feel comfortable and not ashamed right. and not isolated. And not ashamed. And, yeah. and, and that's, you know, and, and we, it's one of the things we do, initiatives we do through AFA is, is our, our training division and, and train individuals. Um, to become certified and get a greater understanding of the disease itself and, and what to and what to look for and try to sensitize society and mm-hmm. become an Alzheimer's free society to understand uh, really what goes on and you had mentioned the caregivers and what the caregivers experience as well and mm-hmm. we do that through and if you don't mind I'm going to give a national toll free hotline which is eight six six 
8484 and our toll-free hotline is staffed by licensed uh, social workers that are dementia care professionals and very proud of the thousands and thousands of calls we receive and we're able to uh, help individuals throughout the entire country. Yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I have been on this journey for 30 years with my mom, know, um, who, right. who just recently passed. And and people, when I go out and, and speak at conferences, people are just shocked at the number of resources that are available because nobody's telling them they're out there. Right. You know, and, and they don't have to be in your backyard anymore um, to be useful because of the internet and, and the way that we can, you know can communicate and and the collaborations that are happening. I mean, it's just it to me, it's just so exciting. Um, and well, that's it's so, much so fun. you know you said something the collaborations that are happening the partnerships, and that's so critically important because there's so much out there uh, resources advocacy groups that can help. We all have the same mission. You know, I'm so proud that AFA has, you know, collaborated with so many different groups throughout the country because working together, we're stronger to help uh, those in need. Exactly, exactly. Um, Well, uh, we have to talk about your Remember Together campaign. Why don't you tell everybody about about this new campaign? Yeah, we're very excited about this. This is AFA's uh, national campaign we're doing um and it's really to create an awareness and and uh spur the discussion more about alzheimer's and dementia but this is a uh, an initiative remember together uh it's 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 geared towards celebrating and cherishing memories um and what we're doing is we're asking individuals to recreate old photos of of you know, significant moments in your life, uh, favorite moments, and then share them with us. And we have a website. It's RememberTogetherAFA.org, or you could use a hashtag, RememberTogether. Make it, you know, something that is fun. You get the families together. You post them on our website. Then there's a contest, and there's voting, and we give out prizes. But the the whole focus here is to continue the discussion about the disease and um it it's something that we encourage so many people to do it's 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 recently been kicked off and it's very successful and and it's just the national public awareness um that we've done here at AFA and we hope uh, so many people take advantage of it and join it's it's a fun it's a fun initiative to do together with with your loved ones mhm so can you give us some uh, examples of some types of pictures that are being reproduced at all and, and what people are doing in them at all? Or Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so exciting. I'm looking at the gallery right now as we're talking, and, you know, individuals are recreating. You know, here's a mother and a daughter when the daughter was an infant, and they're recreating the photos currently today. That photo, original photo, must have been taken 20 years ago. We've had individuals submit photos where... They are, are wearing almost the exact same clothing, obviously different sizes. <laughs> and yeah, I know we've had, you know, we've seen pictures of a father holding a baby, and all of a sudden the father is holding this 25-year-old, 30-year-old son now, wearing this, you know, the sweater that looks the same, and the father looks the same too. Um, kids playing in a park, you know, when they were young, probably five, six years old, and now in their 20s, uh, recreating the exact same scene. Uh, it's just so, it's it's fun. It's it's something that you can do together to cherish a memory. Look, you know, Laurie, I was listening to you before in, in the prior segment talk about what you experienced with your mom. Um, 
and you know better than anybody what you want to experience again with your mom at the time, and I'm very sorry for your loss, um, is that memory, that recreate that time when you were laughing and you were joking around and you took these photos 20, 30 years ago. We're telling people, relive those memories right now. Let's cherish those memories while we can. And that's what this campaign is all about. Oh, that is just so cool. It's like I feel I feel bad my mom has passed and I can't do that with her. We were we were really good about still, capturing moments. Um, but go ahead. you could still do it with, with other friends and family members now and mm-hmm. uh, be part of this, 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 this awareness campaign. But, you know, when, when you submit your photo and then you get the opportunity to look at other photos and you could, you know, you could see who the entries are and, and who the winners are, you'll see, you'll see so much life in these recreated photos. And, and then it spurs the discussion. It spurs the discussion about Alzheimer's. It spurs the discussion about the caregivers. And, you know, that's what we're trying to do is just continue the dialogue. Yeah, but I mean, we're going to be dead in the water if we if we can't keep the momentum going with this in terms of of truly making a difference. And and you know, simple conversations are so powerful, and these simple moments of joy that you're helping people create are brilliant. You know, well, uh, we thank you, thanks, thank you for that comment. But that's what it's all about is is continuing the dialogue, and the dialogue will lead to helping somebody. It will lead to referring them. To, to a to AFA or another resource that can help uh, a caregiver get through something that nobody in life has ever been trained for. You know, all of a sudden you experience it for 30 years. Life changes at that moment. What do you do? How, where do I go for help? And that's what we want people to do. We want them to know that AFA is here. We want mm-hmm. them to know that their calls to us are in a confidential manner when they talk to our licensed social workers who are instead of dementia care professionals, just to provide them with the assistance and the help that they need. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I'm going to pull Harry in. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Harry Urban or not, but um, he is just brilliant, and he's been diagnosed with dementia, and he he uh, calls in on the radio a lot, and he works with me on the dementia chats, the free webinar sessions that we do. And he is so insightful, but I'd love to hear from him to say, Harry, what do you think about this Remember Together campaign with um, recreating photos? I love it. I love it so much. Uh, death with dignity is a big is a big topic now. Everybody's talking about it, discussing it. I like to talk about life with dignity, and um, the the thing that people seem to forget is now I've I've had I was diagnosed ten years ago with Alzheimer's. But I can still laugh, you know. I can still joke around. I can still do those kind of things. The people that are caring for me, it's okay that they laugh too, and we have a good time. Um, everybody wants or thinks this disease is nothing but doom and gloom, but I think we're proving them wrong. And programs like AFA is doing is is doing that. I mean, they're making. They're making, they're giving us life with dignity. They're making it fun, even though we have this disease. And more and more things like that have to be done. Well, that's great, Harry. Thank you so much. Um, nice meeting you through the radio. But uh, that's what it's all about. And and exactly what he's saying, Lori, is that life is still going on, and the caregivers and 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 those that they're taking care of can can participate in this initiative, take these fun photos and look at them, and and for that moment, just laugh 
And, uh, uh-huh. you know, for, for others um, that may be listening, you may say, well, it's not a laughing matter. But, you know, as Harry said, his life is going on and he still wants to enjoy every moment. Well, you know, it's it's so critical, and I it it throws me for a loop every time. And I don't care if it's dementia or if it's cancer or whatever you're dealing with. But the first thing that seems to go is is humor, and right. and it's one of the most powerful tools we have in our tool bank. <laughs> you know, it it changes our chemistry. It 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 brings us alive and closer. And I mean, we all need to laugh. And there are so Laura, many I'll, t- I'll tell you, Lori and Harry, if you go on our website, it's RememberTogetherAFA.org. And if you look at the, the go, click the link that says Contest and Gallery, and if you start looking at some of these photos, you will be laughing all day long. And that's, what, mm-hmm. that's what's great about this. It's just so well, terrific. When you see some of these pictures of little kids uh, in their costumes and how they've recreated them today. It, it's mm. it's enjoyable, but it's mm. it's preserving that moment of life uh, 20, 30 years later. And you know what? Why not, as Harry said? Well, you know, for him, he wants to enjoy every moment and laugh, and that's the best thing. That's the best medicine we can give him right now, Lori. Yep, yep. I love the, the one here where the, the little kid's behind the driver's seat. And <laughs> wow, isn't that hysterical? And look at him now. Yeah. <laughs> he's, yep. He's, yep. Uh, you know, he must be 20 oh, years old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's got a driver's license. And when he was behind, look, at him, he must have been, he was a baby, if not a year old, holding onto the steering wheel. And now 20 years later, he's still doing the same thing, recreating the photo. But at that moment, Laurie, I know it's putting a smile on your face, and that's what this is all about. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, giving people that hope for engagement because there's so, you know, that's one of my biggest um, issues is I am I am so against um, using fear to to raise money. I, I think we can get so much further with hope. And people stay with, when you give them hope, they, they stay on the cause. You know, they don't get burnt out. Um, they get energized. They they realize that, you know, yeah, they might not know everything, but they know more than the next guy, um, and that they they can help. Again, by having a conversation, or you know, with the various things, you know, if it's my site or your site or or Harry's, you know, Facebook right. page, um, just clicking and sharing that information is power. Um, it empowers people, um, and it That's makes right. it. Or it makes it more of the norm instead of abnormal in terms of what people are dealing with, and and I think there's um, we go through a lot of this in society where we're we're so uh, we're so set on putting people in categories and sticking them in a box so that we can identify it, and then we forget to pull them back out and allow them to be a person, you know, and and that's I think what what your organization does beautifully is you allow people to live life um even if they they have an illness you know the that the person comes first and and those relationships and that's huge and that can make um i mean that can make a difference between you know living life as a disaster with this disease or or choosing to look at it as a gift um well and, but as harry as harry had stated and you're stating 
living life with dignity, and that's what's you know critically important in self-respect and the respect that individuals deserve. And you know that's one of the reasons why you know we, we created this initiative and this national initiative. Um, let people look at their old photos, Laurie, Harry. Let them cherish those memories and, and recreate them in, in a fun recreational manner and just laugh and have fun and say, oh, we did this 20 years ago and here we are looking the same. Eh, clothes are looking the same. We may look a little different, but it's, it's a fun moment in anybody's life at that given time. Yep, yep, exactly, exactly. Um, are there some other things that you'd like to share with us about your organization? There's so much that you guys offer. Well, thank you for that. You know, the, the really the highlight I wanted to talk about is this Remember Together campaign, and I'll just re- restate the um, the website, RememberTogetherAFA.org. But, you know, Laurie, we should also talk about the, the, the importance of memory screens and, and early detection and why it's so critical for individuals mm-hmm. to, to really, when they go to the doctor, you know, we go, we get our blood, chest, blood pressure checked and other things on an annual basis, our weight, and we do stress tests and everything. Why not get a, a healthy checkup on your brain? And, you know, as you know, and, and you see, you know it firsthand, it's a five to ten minute procedure that's non-invasive, and you're going to be asked a series of questions. And if there's anything, you know, that is just out of a realm of uh, normality, uh, it, it will just take you to a different, a different level of uh, talking to your primary care physician. You know, and you have to ask yourself a few questions. You know, if you want to be screened, do I? Am I becoming more forgetful? Am I having more trouble concentrating? Or is it becoming more difficult to perform certain tasks? And you know, other things as well. If you say yes to these things, just get screened, and it it, mm-hmm. it could help you, and it could obviously help everybody in the long run. Yep. Yeah. Well, and there's, you know, um, I, I partake in the Minnesota Memory Project. Right. And, you know, and, and that's just, you know, things like that are really important because if, if they don't have the data, you know, they can't give us the answers that we want later on right. down the road. And exactly. Stuff. And, you know, with that is uh, they do some pretty in-depth testing. And, I, you know, the first time I, I asked them if they were going to let me go because <laughs> I didn't think I did very well. <laughs> you know, and they kind of laughed because it is intimidating. And it will make your stomach maybe turn a little bit. And and that's because of there's still too much fear out there instead of going in for, you know, it's kind of like going in for a mammogram or your colonoscopy or your annual physical or, you know, getting your teeth done. We we just haven't gotten used to doing it yet. Um, but right. It's but, but how many people do you think uh, go undiagnosed for, for far too long of oh. Alzheimer's or dementia? And... Um, this is, you know, that we we do so many things in life with ourselves, a pre-screening. Um, why not do it for your brain as well? It's such a it's such a simple task. Well, and it's such. I mean, you know, you're you're not much without your brain. I mean, you you right. want it to function as long as you can. You know, the brain and the heart are are just critical organs, and and we should be, you know, taking. Um, good care of them, and um, right. um, Harry, what are your thoughts about would you know going in and people um, going in for these screenings earlier? What are your thoughts? I think it is so so important. Now, uh, I speak to so many people that that uh, that tell me that they don't want to know. Okay, and that, and that's fine. Okay, but, but you know what? You can't hide it. Now, 
I also talk to people that say, well, my husband has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's two years and he's now in a nursing facility. And, Harry, you were diagnosed 10 years ago. And look how active you are. Now, I come back and they say, because I had the proper diagnosis early, I had the proper uh, things available to me to make me what I am today. And that's what everybody has to do. Don't don't think about the end stage. Think about all those years in between and and stay happy. I mean, there's, there's so many things. I'm nobody special. I'm living this disease for 10 years. Uh, I'm very active. I'm a, I'm a very active advocate for it. And there's a reason for that. It's not because I have a mild case of Alzheimer's. I've been told that so many times. Harry, you're lucky you have a mild case of Alzheimer's. You know, mm. there is no such thing. Uh, it's because I was given the opportunity to to access these programs to help me, to help my memory, to help my mind, my motivation. There's so many things that go with it. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, you know, look, look. Nobody could say it better than Harry, but the, I, I look. I I believe it's so critical, important. That's why these memory screens, uh, we advocate them. But you know, individuals can be part of the decision-making process, and you know, for themselves, they can discuss treatment and future care and other issues with their loved ones rather than making these decisions on their own. But there's so many things, you know, family planning and and, and other issues that should be take into consideration and mm-hmm. that's why these memory screenings are so important and but Harry said it best Mhm. Yep, Harry usually does. He's he's just kind of amazing <laughs> with with all <laughs> His insights, you know, we do, uh, and we're going to be doing our Dementia Chats webinar this afternoon, and, you know, we've been doing those probably a couple of years now, and I, I mean, I learn something every single time, you know, and you think, well, I've been doing this for 30 years, kind of living it, and but there's always more to learn, and I, and I think the second we think that there's not is when we get stagnant and when we can really start doing some damage, you know, because there's always new ways, and um, you know, to to approach this disease, and you know, it's very very important that we um, keep our minds open and look at practical ways that we can incorporate making a big difference. And your Remember Together campaign, um, you know, is a simple fun thing that could have huge impact and will be a lifelong memory um, to boot. Wow. And you're and you're sharing it with the world, um, which is an added bonus. Um, oh, thank you, know. you so much. You know, Laurie, I just want to add that individuals can still get screened. You know, we, we heighten the awareness on National Memory Screening Day, but we have uh, screening and awareness, uh, raising education uh, all year long, and, and you can click on afascreening.org, and mm-hmm. the map of the country will come up and just put your zip code in there. And uh, it's something that I encourage individuals to take advantage of. They can't find a site. Just call us at 866-232-8484, and we'll find you a site. Okay, wonderful. Well, that's okay. good to know. I'm kind of bopping on your site here, and I thought, well, i got to mention <laughs> this, because Harry has uh, two Facebook groups out there uh, okay. for, for Get Me Not, and one is for Spanish-speaking uh, people, right. and he saw, he saw the need. He doesn't speak Spanish, but he he figured out 
that there was a need, so he developed uh, a Facebook page for that, and then they've got um, an interpretation that, that works with it. But I see on your site you have books, and you also have books in Spanish. So, Harry, that might we be do. something that that would be beneficial for your forget-me-not group, too, along with lots of um, daily living accessories and jewelry and um, medical jewelry and um, activity ideas and um, educational DVDs and publications. I mean, you guys truly are um, such a great resource on, on so wow. many so many levels for people. So um, that, know that's that our goal. That's that's our goal every single day. And and you know we try to fulfill our mission, which we're very successful with the supportive board and um, very professional and committed staff. And our goal, Lori, is is what you do. We try to help more people today than we did yesterday. And whether it's through our hotline or educational resources or our member organizations, we're very proud of the work at AFA. Mm-hmm. Well, and you do a, you know a lot of different kind of fundraising, and if people are looking, especially with end of year, you know ways to give. Um, you've got a big donate button um, on your website. <laughs> you know, um, please don't be shy about that. Um, it's uh, Thank it's you. a wonderful stand-up organization that you can be proud to, proud that you gave to. Um, so um, you know, keep that in mind as well. Anything else that you'd you'd like to add, uh, Charles? Look, I just you know again partner with you and 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 speaking to Harry. We are a resource center, and I encourage individuals to go to our website. It's alzfdn.org. Uh, information is is powerful, and, and the more you know, uh, the better equipped you are to handle, uh, to be a caregiver or um, like Harry. I mean, Harry is obviously uh, somebody that we admire greatly, and uh, we're, we're just we're just hopeful that uh, we can continue to provide the services that we do to the caregivers and those living with Alzheimer's and dementia. Okay, wonderful. Well, I so appreciate your time with us today. Harry, do you have any questions for, for Charles that you'd like to ask? Or Yes, yes I do. I um, There were so many organizations out there that uh, that we donate to that uh, the bulk of the money is going towards research to a cure. And I'm going to be honest with you, that's important, but a better quality of life is more important to me. Now, I say that because uh, I honestly believe I will never see a cure in my lifetime, but I could see a better quality of life. Now, I understand uh, that when I donate to AFA, that that has gone towards giving me a better quality of life. Am I am I correct in my thinking? Yeah, you are, Harry. Um, 80, uh, approximately 80 Five percent of our all donations go towards our programs, and we're about the here and now. We're about providing care and services to individuals uh, living with dementia and to their caregivers. Uh, but we also do support research, and we're very proud of that as well with uh, donations we receive. But the bulk of our money uh, goes to our programs. Um, and again, we're about the here and now, providing caregivers and those living with the disease as much resource, education, and support that we can do. Wonderful. Wonderful. And that, that's just so critical. I, I am, I'm with Harry. I, you know, I think a cure is fine, but there's just, we need support today. You know, our, our government and our budget can't afford to right. do this alone, so we have to get 
we have to get the support, the tips, the tools, the, the network um, established to assist people to lessen that burden um, while a cure is being found. And um, so, again, I, I, I thank you very much for your mission and and um, your your continued work out there is, is so needed and, and, and so appreciated by so many. And um, I thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. Um, happy and healthy Thanksgiving to everybody, Laura, you and Harry, and everybody listening. Okay. You have a great week and um, have a wonderful Thanksgiving as well. Thanks so much for being with us, Charles. Thank you um, for having me on. Bye now. Um, Harry, is there is there anything that you wanted to touch base with? We've got a little bit of time left, um, but I just wanted to double-check and um, see, or we can carry it over to our Dementia Chats, which will be this afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern. That will be 2 p.m. Central, 1 o'clock Mountain Time, and noon Pacific Time. And Dementia Chats are free. It's where you have an opportunity to ask our experts, those living with dementia, uh, questions. And I'm kind of thinking we might, you know, since we're by the holidays, kind of talk about some of those issues as well. But we'll see where we'll see where the conversation leads us. Where we typically don't have an agenda and kind of go where people need to go. Um, what are you thinking, Harry? I'm, I'm thinking that we should talk about uh, about Thanksgiving coming up, and uh, because right after Thanksgiving comes my holiday, and that and that's Christmas. I love it, and uh, uh, I wait till Thanksgiving is over before I can let my enthusiasm really show. But uh, there's there's so many things that that. Um, that has to be told, and people have to learn how to make the holidays successful. Um, uh-huh. a, a simple thing, a, a simple thing like like leaving me hack up the turkey and putting on a, on the uh, on a dinner table uh, that can ruin Thanksgiving. There's mm-hmm. so many little things like that 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 little tips that we have to learn and we have to do to make the holidays. Stress-free. Yep. Yep, we definitely, definitely need to talk about all of that. Well, I I will see you a little later this afternoon in a couple more hours here, and um, I'll just go ahead and wrap up the show. I I think it was great information that we had uh, today. Again, the first half we were able to talk with Eric and Heather Anderson Um, regarding their book, Remember, I Can't Remember, which I think is just a beautiful title. It just summarizes things and um, the simplicity of the book and the easy tips that there were. And then we were so lucky to have uh, Charles, the CEO of Alzheimer's, the Alzheimer's uh, Foundation of America with us, who they're just doing brilliant, brilliant work and really helping those um, living with dementia live with dignity and supporting their family and friends and work environments um, to to do the same. So, um, again, with Thanksgiving coming up, we've got we have lots to be thankful for. Um, one of the things we do in our memory cafes is we always talk about bummers and blessings. What wasn't, what hasn't gone so well in life in the last couple of weeks since we met, but we always wrap up with a sense of gratitude. 
Um, I, I just believe that that is so important to be able to see the beauty and and what actually is working well in our lives. And so many times we we dismiss that, and um, it's it's just such a critical factor that we all need to that we all need to keep into um, into play in our lives. Remember the Purple Angel Project. If you would like to be part of that, that's the new global symbol for dementia. Go to alzheimerspeaks.com and go to the About page. Um, if you're looking for an Alzheimer's Association anywhere around the world, check out Alzheimer's Disease International. And again, you will get some global insights and research data um, there as well. If you happen to be in Minnesota, like me, uh, and need some home health, I highly recommend uh, Health Star Home Health. They are just absolutely fabulous. They've been, their staff have been certified as Alzheimer's Whisperers, and they just they have a great heart and spirit to do the right thing and to really raise education and awareness. Um, the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation, again, will give you more ideas on a holistic approach, so diet and exercise, meditation. And please don't forget about the Lewy Body Dementia Association and the Association for Frontal Temporal Lobe or the National Aphasia Association. If you're dealing with any of these um, key factors or have this diagnosis, you know, go to the experts um, it, it's they'll just really be able to support you. And then once again, I'm going to play one last song. Um, getting in this Christmas spirit, I know it's a little bit early, but I just can't help it. I absolutely love this CD, which you can also get um, as an MP3 player by Alzheimer's Music Connect. And um, they have this a fabulous uh, Christmas album, um, again, or MP3 called Memories, the Songs and Spirits of Christmas. So I'm going to just close out with Chestnuts Roasting on the Fire. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose You'll not care sing songs by your choir and folks Dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows Thank you, everybody, and have a blessed and wonderful holiday season. We'll talk soon. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now, this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire. Become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.